We're going to talk about immersive learning, contextual learning, practiced learning, spaced learning. We've got pretty much every aspect of our durable learning model covered this week. We also have some big life news for one of the geeks. Who is it? You'll have to stay and listen to find out. It's the Learning Geeks podcast coming up now. Hello, welcome back to the Learning Geeks podcast and welcome back to my fellow Learning Geeks. It's good to see you guys on yeah. the other side of the internet. Well, it's you know, it's been, I was going to say it's been uh, three weeks or so since we've been able to connect. It's been three weeks. Yeah, Dana and I have both been doing a little bit of traveling, so that has thrown a wrench into our normal production schedule. But we're back today. Yeah, and hopefully we can get great. back into our regular schedule and keep things going. Lots to talk about. Lots of ideas. We absolutely. Which is usually two weeks. Every two weeks. That's our goal. At least that would be our, or we hope to do that. Yeah. And I don't know if we ever really made that formal, but we can make it pretty formal. We, we, we do shoot for an every other week schedule. So. Right. Just so you know what to expect. So that's great. But hey, I, uh, you know, as soon as we are done with this podcast, I have to go to my accountants and get my income tax taken care of. I would love to just keep going and going and going so I can procrastinate on that as much as possible. <laughs> but actually, we probably better dive in, I'm so thinking. I, I, have um, a little, I have a little procrastination poem if you want to hear it, Bob. Oh, sure. Yeah. Yeah. yeah that's pro- always good. Procrastination nope. is a terrible thing. It only brings me sorrow, but I can change that anytime. I think I will tomorrow. <laughs> oh, man. <laughs> Right. Dad joke number 55 on the show. It's a dad joke. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Poem, right? yeah, it exactly. is a good dad joke. Yeah. yeah, that's pretty, that's pretty good. But yeah, we will, we will move forth. So we are going to start off. I know we're going to talk about immersion and learning. Dana, you have something to share about that, but I, it cannot go unstated when you're talking about immersion that yesterday they finally announced the opening dates for Star Wars Galaxy's Edge at Disneyland and Disney World. I know where you're going to be. I went and made, yeah, well, I don't know if I'm going to get there on May 31st when it opens, but I did make a hotel reservation to guarantee that I can get in a couple <laughs> weeks after. We're going to we're gonna take Jackson for his uh, graduation present, and my sister should be in town, so that will be uh. a good time. But we're very excited about that because it is a... It is going to be a very, very immersive experience. So as we are walking through the streets of Black Spire Outpost and drinking our blue milk and going to build our lightsabers. (laughs) And as you're reading uh, Arubesh. As I'm reading Arubesh, yep. And I'm going to come back to that a little bit later. Um, I'll be able to read it without the Google Translate knockoff app that they have promised. Mm -hmm. Uh, It's going to be really cool. We could probably go on about that for hours, but this is what I'm thinking, Jake. Let's plan on doing... We'll do a Star Wars after show in a few weeks when we get back from the Star Wars half marathon and Star Wars celebration. That'd be a good time to do a Star Wars after show. And then we'll do one again after Galaxy's Edge opens and we'll share because that'll probably be relevant to learning. All right. We will turn the the uh, Star Wars geek side off and leave the learning geek side on. And Dana, I'm going to toss it to you because you had something to share. I do. I do. As you mentioned, uh, yeah, I've been on the road a lot just as you have been and uh before we get into that topic, I just I wanted to share with you guys. I had actually a pretty frightening experience the other day. I, I have been on the road. I've oh, been no. on a lot of flights, and on my most recent trip, it was kind of exciting at first because I was upgraded to first class, right? Which is sweet, right? 
little hand towels that keep your hands warm and hang up your jacket and everything. And I, I love, I always love looking out the window as the plane takes off. You know, it always amazes me that when you think about uh, all of the weight on the airplane with the luggage and the people and the food and everything else, that it can get off into the air. So I love watching the plane take off. Um, but shortly after takeoff, it became clear that this was not going to be an average flight. Uh, at first it was just a little bit of smoke, but then it got to be a lot more smoke started to fill the cabin. <laughs> right. And everybody is starting <laughs> to freak. Right. And I looked out the window and there's a big bolt of lightning and I'm thinking, this is not good. Uh, I looked out the window again and there were flames, huge. I mean, huge flames. I couldn't see anything other than the flames out the window. And this is in first class is like in front of the <laughs> engines. And I thought, man, how are these flight attendants going to keep everybody calm and work us through the situation? And at that point, uh, are we talking from you from beyond? Because this is how did you survive? I know, this? I know. <laughs> that, so, that's another podcast. Exactly, exactly. So at that point, at that point, the trainers shut down the simulation. Uh, so th that's your second uh, dad yeah. joke for today, Dana. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But you know, I thought it was a good way to introduce. Uh, immersive. Yeah. Right? I started because, doubting at the, uh, uh, just past the smoke. And then Let me lightning. just say that. But <laughs> the, okay. Yeah, yeah, okay. yeah. But no, that's good. Yeah. I had the opportunity last week to be at a major airlines um, training facility. It happened to be American Airlines. Uh, shout out to them for hosting this event. And what I thought was excellent was, you know, we've always heard about these great uh, pilot training simulators, right? Very immersive. And that's kind of been in many ways a gold standard for simulators for people in the training field. But what, what I thought was great was that the people at, uh, at American had taken that mindset and said, how can we expand this out into other areas of training? So what I was in was an actual cabin that had been recreated. It was a hmm. full length plane. Uh, it did have first class seats. I was in first class. I looked out the window and I watched the plane take off. I did see the lightning. I did see the flames. There really was smoke in the cabin. Did you get a, did you get a towel? Did you get a hand towel? No, that, that part, that part oh, they didn't okay. do. All so right. I, that was, that was a little fictionalizing on my part. Um, <laughs> but, uh, but it's, so, you know, you were able, and, and they didn't have them do it for us because they said they're really hard to put back up, but they said that, you know, in a real situation, they would have the air masks dropped and, uh, so you can see how, you know, the flight attendants in that case get some really serious training. Um, so it wasn't just that, though. They also, um, in the same training facility, they also had recreated the service desks, you know, the ones you go to at the airplane mm. and say, hey, I've got a problem with my ticket or I want to weigh my luggage or whatever. And they had a whole stack of scenario cards. So any of us could walk up to the people who are actually really being trained. We could pick up a scenario card and we could you know, we had a credit card number and we had luggage that was too heavy or, you know, we were angry because our flight had been canceled or whatever it may be. Um, so so they did it for flight attendants for the service desks. Uh, they also had, they had a segment where they were teaching flight attendants how to plate food for first class, <laughs> including... <laughs> How to slide your hand? How to how to slide? Put your position your hand so when you slide the plate onto the tray, um, your thumb isn't touching anywhere near the food. I mean, <laughs> it was it was just a lot of detail. It was great. This is a little piece of interesting trivia. Guess how many service items are on a typical transatlantic flight? So you know, forks, napkins, uh, bottles of water, um, you know, all of that type of stuff. Oh my gosh! For the whole plane? Yeah. 
I mean, it's got to be multiple hundreds, if not close to a thousand, right. I would guess. 38,000 oh. is what What? For one film, <laughs> a one transit. Well, you know, it's a bigger plane, right? A transatlantic right. flight, but 38,000 service items. And when you think about the number of flights that are going on a regular basis, it's wow. amazing. All of the behind the scenes coordination. So, you know, if you take a step back, you think about what are the types of skills they, they were doing service skills, obviously, communication skills, safety skills, uh, lots of things involving muscle memory or procedural skills uh, in the in the uh, pilot simulators, navigation skills, uh, control skills, uh, lots of things about how to respond to emergencies and on and on. And uh, so I, I wanted to just talk a little bit about simulation and get some thoughts from you guys as far as, you know, what are some of the advantages of simulations? Um, and then, well, let's talk about that for a little bit. And then I've got another question I want to shout out to you guys. What, so what do you think are some of the advantages of the simulation? And I know for, for me, I, I would say realistic. So clearly, I mean, at least the story you were telling felt, felt very realistic to, mm -hmm. you know, at some point. But then... Um, I would I, I like to think of the sweaty palm moment. So mm -hmm. the ability yeah. to have sweaty palms and to be challenged, to feel realistic, but also to feel that you can test things in a safe environment, things that maybe you can't test right in a, a real yeah. environment for when those situations arise. So those are just a couple of things that pop in my mind. Yeah, I think uh, about it being engaging. I mean, I, I've talked about this on the podcast before. I love to pretend that's why I really love simulations. I love to pretend I'm I'm somebody that I'm not and I'm doing something that I wouldn't normally do. So I just find it really engaging to to do that. And I think that it brings truth for a lot of people with simulations. And then just the context of it. You, you talked about it earlier, Dana, about it, it hitting the muscle memory, right? So the closer you get to the real experience or at least emotionally feeling like you're in the actual experience, and you're able to do the things that you are supposed to do, the more likely you are to do them when, when the crisis hits. So I think that's a lot of what are the advantages. I was going to say, Bob, with the emotional part, that's what I, that's what I really connect with as well. I mean, I even think about like my kids when they play, when they're role playing and playing with whatever they're using, they get super emotional into it. And I think when you get into those situations where you yourself can play another character or play another role, you have to be emotional in order for it to work in some way. And it doesn't have to be a sad emotion. It can be a positive emotion, but playing the character and getting a sense of what that character is going through, I think it just makes it more realistic. And, you know, and, and again, you can, you come out with, with, I think a stronger memory at the end of the day. I, I think one of the things that, um, you know, when you take a step back, it's pretty obvious, but it's very student centered, right? It's not faculty centered because you're putting people in that situation. But the trainers can watch and they can identify areas of common mistakes and then they can adjust and adapt the training. So it's also a way that you can make the training more efficient. Now, next question, how would you differentiate between a simulation and a game? Mm, okay, I have an opinion. So this is actually a game design concept that I learned from uh, my buddy, George Scleris, uh, who is one of my favorite game designers that I worked with when I was working in that industry. So shout out to George. Uh, but he pointed out to me that really all games, and I don't know if it can be all, you can probably contextualize it that, but most games, the games that people play today are simulations of something. They are a simulation of a real life event or a fictional event 
and they are put into a system so that they are engaging in fun, right? So Monopoly is a simulation of the real estate market in Atlantic City. And Risk is a simulation of uh, World Conquest uh, with armies. Uh, they're all simulations. But what makes it a game is uh, putting a, a regular system on it. Uh, so you've got game mechanics. You've got a game loop that you're working through. And that there is some way to get feedback on your performance. So with most games, it's there's a score of some sort. Uh, so you know how you stand and there's kind of a competitive nature to it. Uh, th there might be different standards by which you figure out if you're successful or not successful. You know, it might be just, I conquer the world or I don't conquer the world. Uh, there are some games too, obviously that are, um, th that are cooperative instead of competitive, but for the most part, games usually tend to have a, a element of competition in them. And now you've got me on a game design rant, but I think, <laughs> and I think we could do an entire I, I think podcast whole, just on that, couldn't we? <laughs> and we probably will. So let me just sum up what I ranted about yeah, there for okay. a second. Yeah, can is, you summarize that for us? Uh, yeah, I'm sorry. Okay, so so all games are simulations already. Games have some extra structures that are put on them, I would say, uh, but they're they're very very much kindred spirit. All right. So shout out to my friends from American Airlines and also the all the, the other folks from the ATD forum who were with us there. I know several of them were excited to learn about the Learning Geeks podcast and uh, promised they'd be listening. Great. So let me just wrap up with just uh, one other really powerful simulation I had the privilege of, uh, of seeing a, a while back. I was up at the Great Lakes Naval Base and they have a huge simulation there, the USS Trayer. Uh, it's dubbed the unluckiest ship in the Navy. <laughs> um, and, and what it is, it, uh, I, I don't know if Disney actually helped them create the environment or not, but you walk into this warehouse and there's breezes blowing, there's a smell in the air, there's a 90,000 gallon pool with waves splashing, and then there's a 210 foot long replica of a guided missile destroyer. And what they've done is they have gone in and they've recreated the top, I believe it was the top 17 worst disasters at sea, mm -hmm. uh, including you guys might remember the USS Cole disaster of 2000 back mm -hmm. in uh, over in Yemen. Mm -hmm. um, and, and, you know, so they've recreated those. And in fact, in that area, they had uh, several full weight life-size dummies that had heartbeats um, they had uh, strobe lights that were mimicking electrical shorts. They had flames and smoke uh, that could fill the cabin. Um, and they, they have the simulation set up so that it's adaptable. If there's a new disaster that occurs that they haven't trained on it, they'll be able to add that to the, to the ship. So one of the, one of the trainers said that we make sailors by immersing them in Navy culture. And that's hmm. that's one of the ways that they do it. They don't, so this is a capstone experience, right? It's the right. end of, I think, two weeks. And they, they so the sailors don't see that until they're ready for the capstone. And they don't go into the capstone until late at night after the, the exhausting two weeks of training. So they go in there, they're tired. And at first things go well, and then things start to just go terrible. Mm -hmm. So anyway, uh, there are some great examples of simulations. I'm sure you guys have, have heard of or experienced others. But I think the, the whole discussion around bringing learning closest to the context that you can is a good discussion to have around how do you promote near-term transfer. I want to say, because I, I was there on the naval base with you, Dana, and I do want to say that they had 
at least some consulting from a Disney Imagineer or an ex-Imagineer. But when you pointed out that, you know, everything starts off fine and then something goes terribly wrong, I was like, of course Disney had something to do with that because that's every single <laughs> Disney ride. <laughs> I don't uh, know if you remember, Bob, but they had they had like seagulls in the background. You could hear, you walked into that area, you could hear the seagull noises in the background too. I do, yeah, yeah. Very cool, very cool. I, I think with, with two, I was thinking of Disney and I was also thinking of Universal and then the ride on Gringotts, Gringotts, right? The um, mm. how realistic that is, where you're you're basically, you know, you, you're you're really just on a simple little ride, and they spin you around, but they create the 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 heat, the flames, the smells, um, the sense of going down and up, and I think we can learn a lot from going, you know, taking rides or going to these not necessarily training simulations. But again, I think what they did, they hired someone from Disney who has complete experience in that type of an immersion. Mm -hmm. And um, I think it's really important for anybody within the education space or learning space that really wants to get into simulations or understand what it feels to imagine. And, and really, when you do that, a lot of your, your brain fills in the gaps. Mm -hmm. You don't have to have it completely realistic, just enough to get you maybe some of the senses and some of the feels and the emotions. And then I think the brain does the rest. I think that's that's the cool part. Yeah. And guys, remember, we did that, too, in training events. So for our senior leaders, uh, we had a, a learning objective that they needed to be better at doing uh, dinner meetings with clients. And right. so oh, yeah. remember that? So we did yeah. Shay Nicole. We brought in real clients and we we did some inspired by Disney Imagineering. We, we had full screens uh, of a of a scene that went from sundown to sunset. It was at Oceanside. Uh, it was an oceanside setting. We had the sound effects. We had wind. Uh, as the night went on, it got darker and darker until the end of the night, and there were fireworks. And it was a very, very immersive experience. And we got great feedback back from our participants that it felt like they were really at a restaurant and meeting with their clients. And, you know, in fact, one of the participants came back to us and was like, you know, I really liked it, but it was hard to hear exactly what the client was saying. And we said, well, when you're at a restaurant with a client, isn't it often hard to hear? Oh yeah. Right. Yeah, exactly. That's why we did that. So yeah, we can definitely learn from those type of things. Well, Hey, I will stay in a similar vein in terms of practice, right? Because simulations are all about practicing the skills that you're trying to learn. And I wanted to loop back to some of my learning goals for the year. So, you know, at the beginning of this year, I set up a couple of learning goals. One was I wanted to be able to read Orabesh, the Star Wars language, and we're not going to talk more about that. Uh, well, we will in a second, but that's okay. Um, and I wanted to learn magic. I had signed up for some magic classes. I wanted to learn how to perform magic. And so I said, I am going to dive into these. And while I'm doing them, I'm going to pay attention to how I learn. So I learn about what I learn and how I learn. And it was all very meta, but uh one of the biggest lessons that has come out of that experience for me is the importance of practice and a couple other corollaries with that. So with learning the Orabesh, which is essentially, it's English, but it's different characters. So you have to memorize the Star Wars equivalent of each letter in the English language. I use flashcards. Uh, and I didn't just use flashcards. I used flashcards on my phone. So I use an app called Quizlet. I had it on my phone and for a couple of weeks while I was really starting to learn this, when I had downtime, when I was waiting in line for something or 
um, or other times when I just had downtime, I would pull out my phone, I would flip through the flashcards, I would quiz myself with the flashcards. And before I knew it, I had them down um, because I was able to keep practicing and it was very convenient. Well, then I started taking magic lessons. And, you know, even at the beginning of the magic class, our instructor said, make sure that you block off time to practice because you have to practice, which just makes sense, right? Uh, you've got to practice your magic tricks before you show them to anybody else. And what I realized as I was going through the class was I was not doing a good job of blocking off that time. I was not practicing as much as I would like to. So I wasn't getting, I wasn't getting good fast enough. Um, and so I kind of sat back and I thought about it and I said, you know what, what I need to do is make practicing as convenient for myself as possible. So I thought through how I could do that. And another realization that I had was one of the things that you need to practice in doing magic is being able to do tricky stuff without necessarily uh, thinking about what you're doing, right? You needed to, you need to get to unconscious competence with it. And so I thought, you know, I am basically sitting at my desk all day. I'm on calls a lot of the day. What if I made it very convenient for myself to be practicing doing these don't have to think about it, card manipulations and things like that while I'm on calls, right? And and devoting 100% of my time and consciousness and energy to the call for everybody who I was on calls with while I was doing this. I was completely present with you the whole time. Uh, so, so I did that. I basically pulled my, my close-up pad up. I turned it into my giant mouse pad and I would sit on a call and I would be shuffling the deck or I would doing a, be doing a ribbon spread or something like that. And I started getting a lot better, a lot faster. And that was the aha moment for me was I needed to make it convenient for me to practice. Uh, it was convenient to do the Orabesh because the flashcards were right there on my phone. It wasn't convenient for me at the beginning to do it with magic because I would have had to go get all my stuff, my equipment, set it up, all of that kind of stuff. And by placing what I needed right there and having it available for me, it was easy for me to practice and I started doing it and I got better. So that's what made me think as learning designers, you know, we know that it's important for our learners to practice. What can we do to make that practice as convenient as possible for our learners? So I'm interested in your guys' thought on that. Yeah, Bob, what came to mind immediately was the, some of the discussions we've been having internally about habits and habit formation. And uh, there's a, uh, some discussion around friction and how if you can reduce friction, mm -hmm. you tend to create a habit, right? So yeah. uh, there are things like if, if I have a, a book I want to read, I can reduce the friction by placing it um, you know, in the front room on the coffee table right next to where I sit at the end of the day, right? Uh, it, I go there and it's, it's there. It's just saying, read me, read me. Yep. Um, there are things you can also do to increase friction. Uh, and, and so I think it's a combination of what you're talking about for practice. Maybe there's some things we want to increase friction on. So you do mm. less of one thing and more of the other. So a way of increasing friction would be if you want to watch less TV, right? You could move your remote to a different room. So you, you know, you sit down in the chair, you go, oh, the remote's in there for, I'll pick up the book and read instead. Um, 
So, I mean, two examples of increasing or decreasing friction. I think that concept can be applied in a wide, you know, a, a variety of ways when you consider practicing. I'm thinking yeah, about when our girls were uh, playing the piano. Um, you know, some of them didn't mind, uh, you know, having everybody here. Others were a little and didn't necessarily want everybody here. So we bought an electric piano with the headphones, right? Just one way of reducing the friction of that, uh, overcoming that inhibition. I, I mean, for me, I think it was funny, Dana, that you brought up ha- habits because I actually wrote down um, habits as in a question mark, thinking that oh, Dana should provide his expertise because I know that you yourself did a lot of practice on habits. Um, you did a course and you were uh, deliberate about how you practice even between and uh, what you thought about it. And I thought there's a lot of good connections there. And I, I think that's key. And I think what Bob you're showing is that you were deliberate about it. You have been, you've been making more of an effort and more mindful of doing it. And I know, I mean, me personally, I think it is building a habit of practice in whatever you do. And perfect example, I think for me, building a habit of practice is again, I'm going to reference back to my kids. I always do. Um, but it's, I've, I've kind of, I've always, I'm always paying attention to what they're experiencing, what they're learning. And, um, one of the things that my oldest daughter is trying to learn and practice is how to zip up a zipper, like of a coat. And it to us, it just seems extremely easy. We've already built the mental representation to what it does and what we have to do. But I mean, seriously, if you think about it, I'm going to actually have my zipper right in front of me, like my coat zipper. But you have to think about pushing down on one side of, of, of one hand, pushing down so it locks in to the actual zipper component. Then you have to pull down one side and then the other side you have to pull up and you have to keep doing that all the way until you get to the top. And that concept requires deliberate practice. It requires you to kind of take time, step back and do it different coats, try different methods, try different approaches and continually try and in different situations. And I think that's what, um, I think that's what it takes. I think it's just being aware that it's gonna take effort. It's not easy. And uh, it is building a habit. So, Jake, what comes to mind is I, uh, a few years ago, I decided I was going to start wearing more, more bow ties. I used to wear bow ties when I was uh, first, when Julie and I first met, and then I went to standard ties. <laughs> but then, um, but the bow ties, tying a bow tie is different than tying, uh, you know, a regular tie. And so I, I went to YouTube and I had some coaching from a friend who, who does those. But you're right. I have to practice it all the time. So, you know, pretty much every every Sunday when I'm getting ready for church, I put on a bow tie and sometimes I have to tie it two or three times. Sometimes I'm lucky and I get it just perfect. Mm-hmm. But there's this, you know, you need to constantly keep at it. Otherwise, it atrophies. Yeah. And getting it to the point of unconscious competence is the is the goal on that. Yeah. And I'm that way with regular ties, but I'm not that way with bow right. ties yet. Right. At some point I will. Yeah. <laughs> Well, it's a good thing that we have a bow tie on you in our little picture in our logo. Perfect. Yeah. All right. Hey, we're getting close to the bottom of the hour. And in the tease, I said that one of us had some pretty big life announcement. So it wasn't me. It's not me. Oh, it's me. It is oh, you. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> no. So what's going on, Jake? Yeah. So um, I am actually leaving my our uh, current company, which is the same company that both Bob and Dana and I have uh, worked at. What? Yeah, I am moving on. I'm moving on to another large consulting company to continue to do learning and uh, or to answer many of the questions that probably people have. Are you guys going to continue the podcast? Absolutely. And I think that's a good time to, to reemphasize um, the 
about this podcast, especially as we gain new listeners more and more, is that this podcast is, you know, when we started, yes, we were all at the same company and we have always wanted this podcast to be represented to all those in the learning field, whether or not you're a learning professional within the corporate world, whether or not you're a teacher, an educator. Um, I think anybody that has a passion for learning and you yourself being a learner, that was that's really the goal of us. And we're just really learning geeks at the end of the day. Um, so yeah, I am, I am moving on to a new position and um, still get to do uh, learning experience design, still get to um, work directly with, with business partners and business leaders and solving business problems, same context, same situation. Um, but I'm, I'm really happy. I get to get a new perspective, new change. And I think, I think at the end of the day, it's going to help our podcast even more because it's a, it's another perspective and we'll yeah. hopefully continue to bring yeah. in more and more guests yep. that, uh, Agreed. are from all across the globe really to, uh, to add on to that. Yeah, I agree. You can't you can't see the tears uh, over the audio. You can't see the tears coming from my eyes as you're. We know you're moving on, but there's also tears of excitement that you're going to continue to do the podcast. That's one of the things that we talked about when we first did this. We said, "Hey, let's not brand this with a company at all. Let's make sure that you know, wherever we end up, yeah. uh, at some point, we can continue to do these podcasts." Mm -hmm. So, and as I said to you uh, when you first told me about this, Jake. The only reason it's okay is because I know I'm probably going to be talking to you about <laughs> as much as I do already still with you in a new place and we'll still be doing the podcast and um, we're still uh, heading down to Florida together in a couple of weeks to do a long run. So yeah. And random texts about some Star Wars news that comes up or some Absolutely. show that we like. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it'll, it'll keep coming. It'll keep coming. So yeah. yeah, I'm sure. I'm sure you. I'm sure the three of us will be having text fests in the next little while over Captain Marvel. Oh, that's right. Oh, yeah, yeah, that's this weekend too. Yeah, in yeah. a couple of days. I was yeah. supposed to go tonight, or, which we're recording on the day of it comes out. But I'm. Uh, I had to move it, so hopefully I'm going to be able to see it Monday or Tuesday. Can't yeah, wait. cool. Yeah, I'm going to try this weekend. Actually, though, I because of Captain Marvel, I had to sneak out yesterday because I realized I had missed the IMAX engagement of the Apollo 11 documentary, which was oh, only running in IMAX mm. for one week last week. And like, I literally got the last show before they switched it over to Captain Marvel. So it was good. If you get a chance to see it, cause I know it, it's going to be available in other formats. It's a CNN film. So I'm sure it'll be on CNN at some point very soon. Uh, give it a watch. Really interesting about Apollo 11. But we're continuing to talk and we are going way over time. So let's go ahead and wrap it up, gentlemen. So on behalf of Dana Cock and Jake Gittleson, this is Bob Gerard saying thanks for tuning in. And we'll see you next time on the Learning Geeks podcast. Thanks, everybody. Thanks, guys. Take care. Bye. Bye.